powered by Riverside. Brant, good evening, dude. Garage Takes, welcome to the podcast. What is this, Season 2, Episode 11-ish? Does that sound accurate? Sounds good to me, man. How are how are things? How are things around the Weaver household? <clears throat> Doing really good, Dave. Uh, got that big Michigan win last weekend. Uh, so things are good on the homestead, man. Good, good. Yeah, we uh, Michigan did get the win. We will get into Michigan. We will... Talk a little bit of Michigan State, just a little bit. Uh, gotta talk Lions. Gotta gotta talk NFL too. Um, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, if you're new to the show, this is Garage Takes. Brant and I are just a couple of average guys talking sports in hard garages. Whether that is scorching hot and uncomfortable or freezing cold, we do this thing throughout football season and basketball season. If you haven't done so already, give us a like. Follow, subscribe to the podcast. It's free to do so. Leave us a positive comment too. It goes a long way as we continue to try to bring you guys a weekly podcast that is hopefully just getting better um, with each one. So we are we're having a great time this year. And Brant, we are we're in the thick of things here. So I really would like to kind of we've been hitting this around the league segment uh, that we've gotten some positive feedback on and. We know that while you and I are certainly Michigan football fans, Big Ten football fans, we know we're going to talk Michigan State. What we're hearing is that the people love the NFL, and NFL is king, so we got to give it to you. So let's hop in. All right. There it is. Yep. I did it. All right, Brant. Let me let me cut that down. Let me cut that down. So I told you I had I have some audio surprises for you tonight, and and it's not actual audio drops. It's gonna be terrible sound quality, but totally worth it. So Brant, I'm gonna just hop right in here. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Brant, Cooper Rush, fire up chips, two and one, get a huge huge win against the New York Football Giants. Man, let's start right there. What did you think about them Cowboys? Dave, not only are you talking about fire up chips, you're talking about Lansing's finest. He's from the area, dude. Local kid. Uh, awesome to see. Um, I do really like Cooper Rush. Uh, he seems to be taking things in stride, just taking what the defense has given him. And uh, I mean, you can say what you want about him and, and their offense, but really, at the end of the day, Dave, what is carrying the Cowboys? It's their pass rush. It is that defense. It is Micah Parsons. I don't know if, if people are going to be voting him as the defensive player of the year right now, but he needs to get a look. He is absolutely re- – I mean, I hadn't watched a, a game all year where someone made such an impact like that. He single-handedly won that Bengals game, and now uh, yesterday, wow, was he balling out, Dave. And Is it, um, bra- you know, is it wild to just watch him like – line up against these old linemen who are just massive human beings and him just truck these guys over to get to the quarterback. I mean, I and I'm not going to sit here and just bang the table on the Cowboys because, yes, we are both 
low-key cowboy fans. Not low-key. We are cowboy fans, but we try to keep that off the podcast as much as possible because I don't know about you, Brant, but literally any time the Cowboys are, are playing, my phone is just blowing up from everybody I know, whether it's from back home, college, the workforce. Once people find out you're a Cowboys fan and you live in Michigan, you just get the ultimate hate. Do you not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm fine with it. Um, but it really helps <laughs> us fight back when we have a guy like Micah Parsons who is playing in the NFL but looks like he's pushing kids around. I mean, it, does, it, it, it looks like he's just owning every single snap, and he never seems to get too tired. And uh, once you start mixing that with um, Tank Lawrence and some of their other defensive front, wow. They just they were getting after Daniel Jones yesterday, and uh, I wouldn't say the Cowboys are that much better of a team than the Giants are right now, but I would just say that defensive front made the biggest difference in the game, and Danny Dimes really didn't have a chance in the second half to get anything going. Completely agree. Last statement on the Cowboys, and then I want to move on to a, a couple of other teams here. Let's bench Zeke. It's Tony Pollard time in Dallas. Uh, I think we we all we all see that coming. That kid is uh, he's just got the burst that Zeke used to have. I mean, Zeke had a good game, but let give me more of uh, Tony Pollard and let's get Dak healthy. I'm somehow feeling kind of optimistic about the Cowboys right now because of their defense. Uh, we'll we'll see though. Not feeling overly optimistic. Brant, kid, the Chiefs. So the Chiefs drop one to the Colts. And I kind of had a feeling this one was coming, actually. And the Colts were my one of my sleeper teams. And they have not been good picks, by the way. I, I said Colts and Saints, I think. Uh, not have not Neither of those have been good picks. But the Colts, they have the talent. Uh, Matt, Matt Ryan is just... Yeah, like, Matt Ryan is, is, is not good. Uh, he is old right now. But they got to win. And they gutted one out. The Chiefs drop one. I mean, I don't think we're probably hitting the panic button on the Chiefs by any means. But what what did you make of that Colts win, Brant? Uh, huge, especially because they came back in the last uh, in the fourth quarter, basically to to get that win. And Matt Ryan's looked like a defeated player for most of the year so far. Um, but it was nice to see them kind of get up off the mat. And at the end of the game, you kind of looked at the Chiefs players, kind of hands on the heads, like what just happened here. And it was kind of refreshing to see just the parody in the NFL, Dave. I mean, that's why people want us to talk about it is because there is such good parody in the NFL that anybody can win any single week. So it's great to see. And um, the Chiefs, both of us are not writing them off. We know that. Um, But the Colts with a major win, especially in that AFC South, that seems very wide open. I mean, obviously the Jags played great against the Chargers this weekend, but that division is going to be wide open and don't count the Titans out either, Dave. And I know you won't, but it's just, it's one of those divisions that seems like it's going to come down to week 18. Yeah, it does. It, it, that division is wide open. I think the Colts have a very good shot. I, the Jags now, the Jags have looked good. I mean, the, the Urban Meyer curse is slowly starting to fade out of Jacksonville, which is a good thing. Trevor Lawrence is starting to come into his own as we kind of thought he would. He's had a slower start to his NFL career than I think most people thought. But the Jags, 
the Jags are on the cusp, but I don't think they're there yet. Like, I don't think that division is, they're necessarily coming for it yet this year. And yeah, the Titans, you know very well, even though King Henry has kind of had a uh, slow, slow worse start, he looks like, you know, age 28 or 29 is finally starting to catch up with him. The Titans are kind of a sneaky team, um, and, and even if they sneak their way into the playoffs, Ryan Tannehill going to still Ryan Tannehill. So I, I'm not I'm not super high on on the Titans. I think that division is is fairly open. Brant, what about? And this is one of the games we actually talked bets on last week: the Dolphins and Bills. Uh, they were two undefeated teams coming into last week, and I thought. I mean, first of all, I thought Tua died out there. He, Tua took a hit, he tried to get up, basically stumbled over like it's 2 a.m. coming home from the bar, and <laughs> I'm like, wow, that he's got to be out at least a week or two. Like, he, that guy is concussed, and then Tua comes back in and the Dolphins win the game. Are the Dolphins for real, dude? Because the Bills are for real. I don't care if they lost this game or not. Josh Allen throwing for 400 yards, like, it takes a gutsy performance to get a win against us, a very good Buffalo team. What do you make of the Dolphins, Brant? Dave, I know that people can't see this, but raise your hand if you picked the Fins last week because uh, somebody on this podcast definitely did, and um, it wasn't Dave. Let's hmm. just put it that way. <laughs> That's you. Toot, toot. Go ahead and toot, toot your own horn, man. Go ahead. You earned it. Uh, all right. Go ahead. All right. Um, so anyway, uh, it's just this offense is, is really good, but I, I think what showed out last week was their defense. I mean, they held the the Bills to 19 points. They did what they had to do. They got off the field when they needed to get off the field. And it was a little bit of the Bills throwing up on themselves, too, a little bit. I mean, Josh Allen misses the last pass that he just kind of dirts it, right? So it's just it's one of those it's one of those games where the Dolphins were at home. They had the energy. It was an early kick. Like it just had the makings of of kind of an upset uh feel to it. So um I think the fact that that game was six and a half points, though, speaks to a larger, a larger feel of how how the how people felt about the Dolphins before this game. Though they will get much more respect coming out of this game than they had going into it, and and I think that the betters and and people that watch it every single week they had to see it first. They had to see someone uh, punch the Bills in the face and and continually punch them in the face and show them that they're mortal. Because coming into this game, I think Dave, you even said it last week. I got to see them even get tested before. You know, I can bet against them. So uh, I totally get that side of it from you last week. But um, I just felt like the Dolphins' offense was going to hang with them. I didn't exactly see their defense slowing them down, which they absolutely did. So the Dolphins have uh, a good defense and a good offense. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they are – if that defense can hold up, I don't see why they wouldn't be poised to make a run right now. I mean, this is not – Although this is the first real glimpse we're seeing at like the Tua that people kind of thought Tua could be coming out of college. Um, this is not Tua's first year, right? Like this is a prove it year for Tua, really. They go out and make that big trade to get Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle's a stud. They're linked back up from Bama. And I mean, they look good. They're And you're right, Brand. I did say last week, it's not that I wasn't high on the Dolphins. I think they can be very good. I just... I had to see it to believe it, uh, and and the Bills are very good. They are they're my Super Bowl favorite right now. They still are, but hats off to to the Dolphins, man. Um, that I, I think they can make a push this year. Now, can they make a Super Bowl run? 
uh, I'm not. I'm still not there yet. What are where are you on that with the Finns? You think that they are Super Bowl contenders this year? I think they are Super Bowl contenders if they can stay healthy enough. Uh, and Dave, I would say odds-on favorite right now, coach of the year, Mike McDaniel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I would say I would give I mean, it to him I'm today. Not- I'm not, yeah, I was going to say I'm not like looking at any odds or anything, but gosh, right. I, I don't see how you couldn't, right? First year, first year uh, coach going out there and 3 0 start. They look very good. Looks like it's, these players are bought in too. Especially with that franchise that has kind of been uh, Lions esque here recently, right? So, so I mean, to, to, to take it from that to 3 0 so quickly, good on them. Right, and the Dolphins have been like dragged through the mud too with that whole Brian Flores thing, and from the ownership on down, this thing could have spiraled out of control really fast. So um, they they really, really, really needed this Tyreek trade to work out, and it certainly looks like it so far. Brant, before we get into the Lions, are the Broncos the worst? They're two and one, right? I think so. Anyway, um, are they not like the worst two and one team ever? What is going on with Russell Wilson and the Broncos? And why isn't Javante Williams getting the rock more than he is? Like, can we stop seeing Melvin Gordon out there? What is going on with the Broncos? I hate watching them. I absolutely hate it. I I, I totally agree with you. And the reason that I'm laughing so hard is because I'm watching that game on uh, Sunday night, and I'm like, first of all, why am I watching this game? This is a terrible football game. But Javante, what when he was he was running well, like he was doing well, and then they have Russell doing all this weird stuff. Like they have him just they have him dropping back like a like a normal uh, like a five step drop or something, and he's trying to hit these receivers on slants and digs and and hitch routes and all this stuff, and it's just like dink and dunk. And I'm like, that's not where Russ is. Where Russ let him cook. Like that's the reason you bring him there is so you can bootleg him and you can hit Jerry Judy on the deep ball and you can have KJ Hamler running wild and and all these things, but. It kind of reminds me of Nathaniel Hackett as Nathaniel Hackett as Nathaniel Hackett. Like, he did the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Like, remember when Aaron Rodgers was slinging it all over the place before Nathaniel Hackett got there in Green Bay? And then he did win two MVPs under Hackett, so I get it. But his efficiency numbers did go through the roof. But he kind of made Aaron Rodgers stay in that pocket, stay in that zone and just and he also had Devonte adams so let's not act like he wasn't there but you know what i'm saying dave like when russ is just creating and he's doing russ like stuff that offense can be explosive i'm sure of it he should not be they're averaging like 13 points a game right now and yeah somehow they're two and one sure but it is yeah. not pretty dude it's not pretty at all, and I I just don't understand it. Nathaniel Hackett, I don't care if they're if they're two and one, he's got to be on the hot seat right now. What's Russ's contract like? Two hundred forty million dollars or something? That is two hundred forty million yeah, problems. It's a lot. Yeah, if you if you don't win, I mean, this team, their defense is good, too. Like, this team is built to win right now. They brought in Russell Wilson as the final piece because Denver has not had a quarterback since Peyton Manning left. And they went and made this huge move. And, yeah, you're 2-1. and one. You're, you're be counting your blessings that you're 2-1 and because, man, that Broncos team, uh, they ain't any good. And speaking of teams that are 2-1, and one, let's transition here. Well, it's not the Lions. I just want to j- just drop a, a quick little audio clip for you, Brant. We're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, 
we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And then on the way up, we're going to kick a field goal when we shouldn't kick a field goal and blow the game and go one and two against a divisional rival on the road when you're up 10 in the fourth quarter. Man, Brant, I I got to vent for a second, and I know you, you've, you've brought some facts to the table here. I feel as though, and I love I love Dan Campbell. I think anybody who's listened to the show knows that you and I are both pretty high on Dan Campbell. How do you not like the guy? But, but, these are questionable in both of these losses this year. And this is this goes back to last year too. Now it got better towards the end of the year with Dan Campbell, but the decision making is questionable. And I mean, it's very clear what Dan's identity is going to be. They're going for it on fourth down. Like that they went for it on fourth down more than any team I feel like I've ever watched go for it on fourth down. I don't think they wanted to punt. They were and they were converting. Like they were to their credit, they were converting throughout the game. And so what do you do at the end of the game, towards the end of the game I should say, after Seabird or however you say his name struggling to kick the football and you toss him out there to kick it instead of either it, the two viable options I saw from where they were at on the field was you either go for it cuz it's been working all day. Now that would have been a very very gutsy call or you punt the ball and you make that make that Vikings offense have to march down the field because that defense showed out uh for the day. Like they they kept them contained. I mean, shout out Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda is having himself a year, Lions fans. You got to be excited about Jeff Okuda. Um, I, man, I was so, those games, you cannot lose. You just can't. You cannot, when you're on the road against a divisional rival and you have a chance to, to go two and one and now playing next week against the Seahawks, a very winnable game. You should win that game. You had a chance right now to be going to be three and one, but right now you're sitting at one and two. Now the season's not over. It is not over by any means, right? There's a lot of football left to be played. And Dan Campbell said that, and he's right. And to Dan, one thing I like about Dan, um, it's annoying at times because he seems to keep making these mistakes, but Dan will own it in these press conferences. He doesn't give you the same coach speak and the rah rah, yeah, we know we we're happy with this decision and this is why we went for it. Like Dan will be the first one to say like, ah, God, I wish I would have had that one back. I would have done that differently there. Shouldn't have kicked the field goal. Like I like that he is openly reflective. I mean, I think if you're a Lions fan, you got to be like, okay, at least he's thinking about this. He's not like, no, I would do that all over again. Cause that would be frustrating. I think hindsight's 2020. Everybody feels like that was the wrong call at this point. And Brant, the other thing, I don't know if you heard this, Jared Goff, who's who's looked just fine, by the way. I'm not even criticizing Tiny Hands Goff and the way he's played. I think that he's played fine, to be honest with you. But he goes out in his press conference, and I don't know if he said this to have Dan Campbell's back or what, but he goes on to say, like, yeah, I kind of wish I would have said something to Dan, basically, of like, yeah, we, you know, we're staying on the field. Because I think he would have listened to me. It was now I'm not that that is not a quote, but that's basically what he said is 
Yeah, I, sh- I should have, thinking back on that, I should have said something to Dan. Uh, yeah, you should have, Jared. Like, that's when you need leadership. That's when you need a Patrick Mahomes who's getting in Eric Bieniemy's face and tossing a clipboard of like, no, there's time on the clock and he's passionate about the game. Like, Jared, you can't just lay down and just go with the flow of the game. Like, you're the quarterback of this football team. That's when you've got to step up and say something because I think, look at Dan Campbell's personality. You can't tell me that if Jared Goff looked at him in the eye and said, Coach, we got to play for this or Coach, you know, whatever it might be, he's going to listen. He believes in these guys. He's a player-centered coach. You need leadership. It, that was incredibly disappointing. And then obviously just the way the defense just kind of collapsed there at the end was just, the whole thing was just incredibly upsetting. Um, and unfortunately, instead of being 2-1, and one, you are 1-2. and two, And luckily, you get to play the Seahawks this weekend, which should hopefully get this team back on the right track. Brant, what were your thoughts watching this Lions game? Were you as nauseous as I was? I was absolutely nauseous. And the thing that made it worse, Dave, was I had the Lions to win by one to six points. Uh, it was like 20 bucks to win like 120. It was such a good bet, and I felt so good with it, man. They were up 14 zip in the first half, and then they were up 10 in the fourth quarter. And it was like, man... All I need is like a backdoor score from the Vikings, uh, you know, to get it within three. But as you're watching the decision, Dave, it almost felt like Seibert on the sideline didn't feel comfortable. Like, like to put him into that moment where he'd already missed a kick and it was just the, the game was not, the game was not going in the favor of, Oh, I've got all the confidence in my kicker here. We're going to, we're going to kick this field goal. and We're going to win this game like 27, 21, like that. That's what he should have felt like. But I, I don't think deep down he felt that way. And Dave, this is why I wanted to bring the facts tonight. And, and, and what the facts are is saying he's got analysts that work up in, you know, Allen Park or whatever that know his kicker. And this is the facts about the kicker. Siebert, is two of five from 50-plus in his NFL career. Is that someone that you want to trot out and and have a shot to potentially put this game away, or do you want to get the four yards or punt the ball? Like, does that sound promising to you, Dave? Two for five? No, no, it it doesn't at all, especially from, like, God, this game being such an analytical game these days. Like, come on, man. So, so, So here's my next question, Dave. His long is 53. How long was that field goal? It was a 54-yarder. Right, yeah. It was a 54. So his career long is 53, and he's already two for five in the NFL from there. His longest kick at Oklahoma, Dave, 51 yards. So he's never kicked it in college. He, he clearly hasn't kicked it in the NFL. And, Dave, I had to do this. I had to go dick up his high school numbers to see if he ever even hit one in high school. Like, hey, launch it. No. His long in high school was 51 yards, Dave. He's never made this kick in his entire life. He's never hit it. So why are you putting the game on the line for a guy that's never kicked a 50-yard, four-yard field goal? The Lions are on fire, man. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's his day, but that's the problem. It's Dan's job to know. It's your job to know that this kicker has never hit a 54-yard field goal. He's never done it in his life. And you want to trot him out there 
to try to win and put this game away when you can go get four yards, Dave. I do not understand the play call. I just don't get it. And I'm not saying that he should never try a 54-yard field goal in his life. I'm saying he shouldn't put him in this moment to hit this 54-yard field goal. Not at this time. This is not the right time to do it. And so, Dan, yes, you lost them this game. And yes, it was a big game to lose. Winning a divisional road game is gold in the NFL. And he blew it. And Dan, he's got to take responsibility for it. And I mean, I get it. Coming out of that press conference saying, ah, yeah, I kind of botched that one. Yeah, you sure did, Dan. And it's not the first time that you've botched one. And Brad Holmes needs to hold Dan Campbell accountable for this. He just absolutely has to. And if he needs someone to come in and help coach him through, he needs like Nathaniel Hackett or whatever, hired that assistant coach guy to get him through decisions like this. If Dan has to do that, then Brad Holmes needs to help him recognize and do something like this. Because that was kind of an embarrassment on Sunday, Dave. Should never lose that game. At least you shouldn't have a kicker that's never kicked a 54-yard field goal when you're in a very close range of getting the first down just go get the first down or punt it those are your two choices not a 54 yard field goal all right I'm yeah done. all right <laughs> yeah I, I know i hear you man it, it is hard is it's just so it's so hard because and then and then we can move on from this it is it's so hard to be a lions fan because every time you want to start believing and feeling like the tide is turning just things like this happen and it just seems to happen more to lions fans than than any other team or franchise or fan base in the in the nfl and it's just incredibly frustrating that and you know that this coaching staff wants it back you know these players want it back but the reality is that you're one and two and you got to get back on the you know put the saddle back on the horse and and get things right against seattle because this is you can't lose this game. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna stop saying the must win thing, but you can't lose this game. If you don't win, if you don't win against this terrible Seattle team, you go one and three. Ooh, we got. This problems. is a tough Seattle team, though. This is a tough Seattle. They team. are like they they play hard. You, they do, they do. They, I mean, they obviously beat the the Broncos, who we were just talking on. Like right. they are a kind of a gritty, terrible team. Like talent isn't quite there, but doesn't matter like they're probably going to be gritty just like the lions kind of are and dave you start looking up and down the schedule you got gritty team after gritty team you have the texans have the texans been blown out yet dave don't think so they're a gritty team you you start looking down there you're like the jaguars the jaguars will blow your doors off right now I'm, i'm telling you after watching that game on sunday they're a good football team right now and they're gritty too so it, it, the schedule is not as easy as i once thought it was dave and the Cowboys, you, like the Cowboys are now like a decent football team. The Patriots aren't very good. I, I think you can beat the Patriots, but but that's beside yeah. the point. Yeah, but still, I mean, but like the Patriots, they they have to travel to New England for that game, I believe. Yeah, and I, like and that's not going to be an easy trip. And I, and I know Mac Jones is hurt, but Brian Hoyer, I believe, is their backup, and he's no slouch of a backup. He's an experienced guy. It's not that these games aren't just going to the wins are just going to pile up like the lions are going to be in a dog fight every single week and what and this is what if you watch hard knocks at all or whatever like what these players and these coaches said is the only thing that matters are wins at the end of the day like you have got to find a way to win these games and unfortunately this one got away from them today and it was different than that eagles game that eagles game they clawed their way back into it 
Yes, there was some questionable time management, but they came up short there. This one they should have won. That was inexcusable. So, um, all right, let's let's shift into to Michigan and Michigan State. All right, I'm going to do Michigan State first, Brant. Um, the top got blown off by Minnesota, and it wasn't pretty. And I. At what point do you question Mel Tucker? I know it's early. I think Mel Tucker is a good coach. I see what he's doing. I think this is for the long haul. I think this is a long term. He's trying to build his own brand uh, at Michigan State. But this team does not look prepared right now. And that has been a theme these last couple of games. Uh, the Washington game was terrible. The, the 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 score at the end of the game did not do it justice in terms of how that game actually shook out. Minnesota just destroyed MSU. Was not close. That the defense is atrocious, and I am really starting to wonder how much of their success last year was truly dedicated to Kenneth Walker. What do you think, Brant? I I just I don't know. Problems in East Lansing right now. Dave, you you hit on it. I mean, the Washington game wasn't close, and the score wasn't indicative of it. Guess what? Neither was the Minnesota game. Minnesota could have hung 45, 50 points on them if they really wanted to. And now you have Mel Tucker being questioned. You have Peyton Thorne being questioned. Scotty Hazleton is the most hated man in East Lansing right now. He absolutely has to be. The defense has no answers. Uh, Jay Johnson, now the offensive coordinator, after putting up seven points, uh, last weekend is now being questioned. So everybody is being questioned. And the thing that's got to eat at the Spartan fans the most is Mel is coming out with Dave, the coach speak. Now, now I know when Harbaugh was losing, you had enough coach speak. I, give me a damn answer on something. I, it cannot yes. be. Yes. And, and I'm glad you say that. Brent. Sorry to cut you off, but You're I'm good. glad you say that because what I hate to do, and I think I mentioned it last week, is we are always going to come across as biased because we are known Michigan fans. But what I won't do and what you won't do is just get on this podcast and just dog Michigan State to dog them. We give credit when it's due, and we give criticism when criticism is due. And it's the same thing for Michigan, and you're right. That is exactly what annoyed me about Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he still annoys me, but annoyed me <laughs> when we were losing. You're exactly Right. Right. You know, it can't be this, um, you know, we're going to get in the room and figure it out. Um, No, you're not, because you haven't for the last two weeks. You didn't get in the room. You didn't get in the lab and figure it out. And people have asked, hey, is it maybe the scheme or or is it the players? And, um, you know, he doesn't even say it's a combination of both. He's he's just going to say, yeah, we're going to get it right, you know. And that's not not what people want to hear right now. They want to know what the problem is. You know, tell us a Scotty scheme. We have to change it. You know what I mean? Like we're going to work on that. We're going to work on putting these players in better, you know, you can talk about alignments and all this and that, but, but at the end of the day, you need reasons because you're getting $95 million over whatever it is, eight, 10 years to, to have these answers and not be two and two and your season's over in September. If I'm a Spartan fan, that's unacceptable. I cannot accept that for an answer right now. And you're looking at a potential of six wins? That's a joke. And you can't you you wanna know where you know, Michigan State fans love Mark D'Antonio and I and they should, right? I mean he the things he did with that program, 
were things that may never be replicated again, to be honest with you. Um, hopefully they are for, for Michigan State fans, but uh, making a college football playoff and all that, I get why he is held in such a high regard. But let's not forget the downfall of Mark D'Antonio and on his way out. What did Mark's biggest downfall was not moving on from his his assistant coaches. Like He had this allegiance to them where he would basically just shuffle them around. He wanted to keep his guys. He was very loyal to them, right? Like loyal to a fault. Mel Tucker, he, I Scotty Hazelton shouldn't have a job right now. Um, I I don't I don't know why any reason in the world that dude should have a have a job at Michigan State. Mel Tucker needs to make a change very quick in my in my opinion and potentially mid season. Like I I don't know what good it's doing having him there right now to be honest with you Brant but you want to know Mel Tucker you want to be different yeah go ahead and put a bullet in Scotty right now like in you know end of September yeah it's got to change and I don't I don't care how it affects recruiting and how it's doing like that I got to tell you getting blown out at home 34 to 7 in front of a bunch of recruits can't help recruiting anyway you know what I mean so so that they're already not going to buy into that so um, the last thing I'll say on Michigan State is I was watching this game with Clayton, uh, noted Spartan fan, huge Spartan fan anyway. And, uh, I mean, he wasn't even getting upset, Dave. And he wasn't – he just looked dead inside. And I just was like, hey, like, are, are you going to, like, get upset about this? Like, what's going on here? And he he said the one word was embarrassed. Like, this is embarrassing. This is not This is not how we should look at all. And the second thing was, I mean, he just <laughs> – he just was like – I don't know, like it's not one or two decisions that's being made that I can get upset about. We're not even close. We're not in the ball game. How can you I, be upset I get about? that, right? <laughs> You're not even competing. Yeah. Like, it's like watching Rutgers football. Like, are you going to no. get upset? I mean, you're just Rutgers. Like, who cares? Like, nobody takes you seriously anyway. And that is what Michigan State fans have got to be afraid of. Because at one point, you were that under Bobby Williams. You were that under John L. Smith. Like, you were irrelevant at one point. But then Mark put you back on the map and Mel was supposed to take that over. And if Mel starts to regress and you, you put out a three and niner here, you put out a three and nine season and people won't take you seriously next year. And then you will be back in the basement. Brant, I, I don't see them going three and nine, but I'm just going to lay out the month of October for them because they don't get any easier. Sure. You travel, you travel to Maryland, who we're going to talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where they play this weekend. That is <laughs> Maryland's strength clearly is their quarterback and the ability to move the ball down the field. We clearly know what Michigan State's weakness is. That's a problem. After Maryland, they play Ohio State, they play Wisconsin, and then they have to travel to Ann Arbor to play Michigan. It doesn't get any easier. I don't they are going to need a they need to win two out of these next four. They they do. Um and to salvage this season right now. Cuz if you win one or none, what we're talking two and six, which is a very real scenario, three and five. I mean, that's it doesn't look good right now. So, um, yeah, you, you got to hold hold your coach accountable at this point. And I know you, you love Mel Tucker. I get it. It brought a lot of excitement to the program, but you got to hold your coach accountable if you're a Michigan State fan. Brant, let's talk Michigan for a second. All right, you were right, dude. Should have been more worried about Maryland than than I was, apparently. Um, Michigan wins by a touchdown. 
They pulled away late. Now, I know the, the score was within a touchdown, but they pulled away late, I would say. It was closer in the in the first half. Man, um, I want to hear your thoughts, Brandon, what to, to make of this Michigan game. I, I'll, I'll give you mine first. So, first, I was happy, and I think I texted you that during the game. I was happy to see Michigan kind of get pushed around a little bit, get caught kind of on their heels because – when you play three JV teams to start the season, like going, the, the thought of going into Kinnick next weekend is terrifying, to be quite honest with you. And uh, Michigan got their wake up call more than I thought that they were going to get against Maryland. And I think that it came at the right time. I think this team has a lot to to learn. I think JJ McCarthy has a lot to learn and take away from this game. He, he had quite a few overthrows. Um, he, he left some points out there on the board. I think he's acknowledged that. Jim Harbaugh's acknowledged that. He, he didn't always make the right read. No, it's not always going to be perfect, but this is his first game starting as a Big Ten quarterback, right, in Big Ten competition, and um, he, looked, he looked fine. I mean, you can't really pick apart his game t- too much. I mean, I think he was like 18 of 26 for like 220 yards and two touchdowns, no picks, but he almost had one and he's, he's got a lot to, to, to learn still and, and to grow with. So JJ McCarthy, I, I think will be just fine. I, I'm not any lower on him than I, than I have been. I still think that that kid is special, but he's certainly not perfect and he's not immune to criticism from me. And, uh, he, he, he left some to be desired this past weekend for sure. Um, it was the Blake Corum show, and that was cool. I mean, anytime your running back is running for over 200 yards is pretty pretty sweet. Uh, that was the Blake Corum threw the team on his on his back, which was cool. And it almost seemed like last year against Maryland, it was the Donovan Edwards show. Like he caught the ball a ton, and it really had had his coming out party there. Hopefully, they get him back against Iowa. Um, but question? Oh, I guess well. Let, one positive, Mikey Sainer still. I, I'm just going to say this one time. I think I mentioned it actually already. Mikey Sainer still deserves a ton of credit because not only did like when they moved him from wide receiver to slot in at the nickel and and be a uh, a DB, I was like, oh man, that is. I think that's some allegiance to to Mikey because he wasn't gonna wasn't gonna necessarily get looked in this loaded wide receiver room, and they're trying to make room for him on this roster, dude. It comes. I mean, as the season has started, he's honestly the the most impressive defensive player that I have seen like week in and week out. He he's good at getting to the quarterback. He is seems to always be in the right position. He's tackling well. He looks really really good. Um, I also, I, I have question marks, big question marks as we head into Iowa, Brant. One of the question marks is this offensive line. I'm still not sold on this offensive line. Um, I think that they have room to grow. Trent, go ahead. You, you want to hop in. Run blocking or pass blocking? <sighs> pass blocking. Yeah, pass pass blocking because I think clearly Michigan can can run the football right now but when it comes to to throwing the football like and and this kind of alludes to the JJ point earlier JJ was running for his life at times and was trying to make something out of nothing and and maybe it wasn't always the collapsing of the offensive line but they're they don't look elite like like I was told and everything I heard going into this year was like last year's stud offensive line like this year was going to be better 
which is insane. And it just hasn't looked like that. Now, I, I don't think that they look bad, but they don't look elite. Um, and, and I think they're going to need, they're going to need to be elite, especially if they're going to keep JJ healthy. You already lost Cade McNamara. The biggest question mark that I have though, Brant heading against, uh, Iowa, and maybe this won't matter as much because I'm not scared of Iowa's offense, but our front four on defense just is not getting home to the quarterback. Um, not like they, they should anyway. And Tango Viola is a mobile quarterback, and this is what he does. He's slippery. He makes plays. But they are not getting pressure on the quarterback like they like they need to. Um, and obviously, when you lose 25 sacks between David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson, yeah, like nobody should be surprised by that. But I, I'm not impressed right now, and I don't – I. I keep thinking about Ohio State as I continue to watch them roll. And they, like last year, they were in on CJ Stroud, man. They made his life miserable. Um, and th- I, this front four has got to make some improvements. Brad, I'm going to kick it over to you. I know you have some thoughts on this. What did you think of Michigan? Yeah, I just have a question for you to react to, though. Um, in the Big Ten Championship game against Iowa, do you remember us getting a lot of pressure on Petrus? No, but I don't think we needed to. Okay, so I guess that's my point for this, Dave, is I don't think this is a game where you have, you have to get home. I think you have, to, you have to stop the run. You have to stop the little dink and dunk screens. You have to be ready for like some stupid trick play. Like You have to be ready for all of the little gadgets that they're going to try to do because, Dave, you know they can't just line up and they want to drop, they're going to drop Petrus back on a five-step drop and rip it. Like, that's not going to happen. So I don't think getting home necessarily for sacks is going to be important in this game. I think containing their run game and containing the screen game and keeping things um, contained is going to be a a big deal for you. Um, That being said, I think the most important players in this game is probably going to be Junior Colson. Probably if we can get Hill Green out there, that'll be great. But you already hit on Saren still. He's been everywhere. He's going to be the guy that's going to have to blow up screens. He's going to have to be the guy that makes sure tackles. Like, I thought against I thought against Maryland, I thought one of our biggest problems, Dave, was tackling. I was not impressed with the tackling. Um, and that's going to be a, a very important key to this game is making sure you make tackles because – um, I was going to want to grind you to a, a pulp and they're going to want to get continually first down after first down after first down, because that's how they operate. Dave, they don't operate by 50 yard pass plays. You know that they have a very good tight end. That's going to be in, incumbent on Moten and, and Colson and, and other, you know, Saren still have to cover him. That's going to be their main guy. They're going to want to throw to on offense. So uh, uh, containing the run game, containing the tight end game, and making sure tackles is, is my keys to this game here, Dave. And I think offensively, let me just touch on this real quick. I don't think it's going to take a whole lot to end up winning this game. You want to know what I want to see, Dave, is a very clean game. You can't afford turnovers here. Not against Iowa. That's how they score. If you look at it, They'll take 14 and put it on the defensive side of the ball. And then they'll put up 10 themselves and they'll beat you 24-21. Or they'll beat you 24-17. I, I know you're afraid of that, Dave. I can see it in your face. Like I That's know exactly you- <laughs> what I'm afraid of, man. It is because that's what they do. They, they, they are not – you watch them and you're like, God, this is just an ugly football team to watch. But what you don't want to do in Kinnick 
is being a game where you're up like 13-7 or down 13-7 mm-hmm. late in the third quarter. Those games are hard to win. And I agree with you. I don't think that they need to do much. They don't need to put a ton of points on the board. Right. It doesn't need to be like the Big Ten Championship game last year. I'm not expecting it to be. But you do not want to be in a close one here heading into the fourth quarter. And it's very possible that that could happen. I mean, J.J. is going to get tested. Brant, I, I do want to hear your thoughts on J.J. and his performance this past week and just kind of what you're expecting to see or what you're hoping to see, I should say, out of him um, against in a huge game against Iowa. Whether you people think they're good or not, they yeah. are. They're tough. They are. They're tough they as nails. They're a good football team. Uh, here's the thing. Um, I was I was fine with JJ's performance and the down the field stuff. I'm not worried about it because I know it'll come. I'm not worried about his accuracy issues. I'm not I'm not concerned about that. What I'm concerned with is what everyone else is concerned with, which is him running around doing stupid stuff at inopportune times. And you cannot do that against Iowa, Dave. Because guess what's going to happen? You're going to get popped. They're going to be looking to get the ball out of your hands. And they turn those into points. It's just what they do. They scoop and score. They do that type of stuff. So it's very important that JJ just stays within himself. I hope he gets an extra hour of meditation, whatever it takes, to calm down. Don't be running around back there like a like a chicken with your head cut off, man. And guess what? Get out of bounds when you're out of the pocket. If you are going to scramble for a 10-yard gain, get down. Get out of bounds because we can ill afford to lose you in a second quarter and run out orgy or run out, you know, uh, Davis Warren like we don't want to see that I have no desire to watch a backup quarterback play against Iowa in Kinnick I know you don't either yep I feel the exact (laughs) same way Brant and I the one thing that I, I would say about JJ is JJ's experience at U of M has been you know up until these last couple of games getting in for 10 to 12 snaps a game where he was basically asked to make electric plays, and he he did that. Um, whether that was running or throwing the ball, he did that. He seemed to always make something out of nothing. However, that's what he was asked to do to be kind of a change of pace person when he came in for Cade McNamara. Right now, he's QB1, and sometimes it's okay to just get out of the pocket and throw the ball away or use your legs and sneak out for a four or five yard gain and not have to reach for that first down without getting murdered. Like we, we need JJ to stay healthy. And I think that's going to come with experience. I'm like you, I am not, I had a a couple people texting me about JJ's accuracy during the game. I'm with you, Brant. I'm not concerned about that. I think that that will absolutely come. And that is the least of my concerns. My concerns are staying healthy and just making the smart play. If even if that means just getting rid of the ball, um, you don't have to make a play on every single down. So, um, all right. Yeah, this is going to be a good one though. I know we're going to be talking the bet soon. And as a matter of fact, I see we're coming up on 46 minutes. So let's get into that. Brand. Okay. Uh, before before you get before you get into the bets, I just want to bring everybody down to a little trip down memory lane last week and the uh, lock of the week, which should be known as the crock of the week. Please listen. Um, and when you're in a slump, let me explain this at, to, to betters at home. When you're in a slump, look for an easy win, Dave. That's what I always say. So this week to me, there's nothing better than a little Rutgers football to pick you up off the mat. Oh, is that, Brent? Nothing better than a little Rutgers football to pick you up off the mat. Sorry, dude. I I could not uh, let that slide just because I hated that pick last week. And 
God. I, all right, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Go ahead, Thank man. You, Get Dave. into the bed. <laughs> this is what friends are for. All right, yeah. All right, I'm staying away from Rutgers football this week. If anybody would like to know, uh, you will not find me on Rutgers football this weekend. All right, so. Michigan traveling to Kinnick. We all we've already talked about it. Iowa City has been a treacherous spot. I don't think Michigan's won there since like 2005 or 2003 or something. It's been a long time, Dave. Iowa getting spotted ten and a half points. Who do you like? You are correct. They have not won in Kinnick since 2005, which is yeah. actually terrifying. Um, <laughs> however, I will take Michigan to cover ten and a half. I know I just laid out some. Hopefully it didn't come across as fears, but more so just talking points of what Michigan needs to do. I do not think that this Iowa team is going to be able to hang with Michigan if they come prepared with the right game plan. I, I want Michigan covering 10.5 points. What about you? I want Michigan covering 10.5 too. Um, I, I don't feel like this is last week against Maryland where I begrudgingly took Michigan. And I knew I knew better, Dave. Uh, however, I just think with Iowa here, I think it may get away from them a little bit late. Um, I don't think they can just keep up enough points. I see Michigan in the 30s. I see Iowa in the lower teens. Like I, I see this as a 34-14 type game, and uh, let's hope for that, right? Um, and, and hopefully, hopefully we don't spot them any points because you cannot give this team any points. So I'll take Michigan to cover the 10 and a half. Um, okay, Dave Sparty traveling to, uh, Maryland. We all, we know what both of these teams are like. So, so you should have a pretty good read on this game. Can Maryland cover seven? The fact that Sparty's a road dog is kind of amazing against Maryland. So, well, I, I think that this is this is kind of a trap spread. Um, I know Michigan State has just burned me lately. And tough number, dude. Tough number seven. That 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 is tough. Um, at this point, I'm not getting fooled again. Sorry, Michigan State fans, but I, I know seven points seems like a lot. But I watched Maryland, who and I didn't even say in the, in the, or the segment on Michigan. I give a ton of credit to Maryland. I think Maryland's a sneaky little football team that's gonna that's gonna worry some teams. They're like almost like that Indiana team um, that we've seen all all too all too many years in the past. I'll take Maryland to cover seven against this terrible Michigan State secondary. What about you, Dave? I did nail this last week too. I had I had Minnesota uh, covering the three and a half or four and a half or whatever it was, and it wasn't even close. So I'm taking Maryland here, and I'm not looking back. Um, to me, it's just a really good offense against a really bad defense. They got to go on the road. Maryland is probably pissed off about last week is what I would guess. And um, they're going to look to get somebody. And it just, it would not shock me if this turns into another route, Dave. So give me Maryland with the seven. Um, All right. Purdue at Minnesota. I love this game, by the way, Dave. Uh, I don't know if Aiden O'Connell is going to play. He didn't play last week. Purdue though, they have to get something going. They did not look impressive against Florida Atlantic. They barely squeaked out at home. Um, and Minnesota is just a great team to watch. Like I, I just have fun watching them. Can they cover the 12 and a half at home? I'm going to guess this is 12 and a half because Aiden O'Connell's not going to play. Right. And that's what, that's what makes this so tough because if Aiden O'Connell was playing, there's no way this would have been 12 and a half, right. but Agreed. I, yeah, I, I think, uh, Purdue has not looked has not looked good, and Minnesota's looked great. 
12 and a half is a lot of points, but I'm going to guess like you are, Aidan O'Connell's not playing and I have no reason to not pick Minnesota to cover 12 and a half. Yeah, if he if he does end up playing, look for this to move like 6 points or something like it'll be a it'll be a large movement. I'll tell you um, what, Brant, if he if he plays, I I throw Purdue on the money line. That that's oh. how I I I do I think Minnesota Although they've looked good, I think Purdue would be hungry getting him back. So gotcha. I'd keep an eye on that. Yeah, and kind of a letdown spot here for the Gophers, I think, too, at home. Kind of a, a, a you know, coming off a big win like that. Um, I'm going to take Minnesota to cover two. I watched most of that Purdue game, um, and, and they just, they were bad defensively. They were bad offensively. They got lucky in the end. Um, I'll take Minnesota to cover. Uh, did we just go three for three with each other? I hate doing that, by the way. That is I never really a good sign. I, <laughs> that is never historically on the podcast. That has never been a good thing. <laughs> All right, man, let's hop into the NFL. Uh, Seahawks versus Dan, the fighting Dan Campbell's here. Uh, can they cover six? I haven't missed on the lions yet this year when it comes to the spread. And I am, I'm going to take the lions. I do. I, I think that they cover six and it's a home game. I think Ford Field is going to be roaring. Although I think the Seahawks are gritty, I think the Lions win this by a touchdown um, and, and can cover that six, the six points there. I, I really do. I'm feeling I'm feeling confident that they'll get the get the train back on the tracks here. What about you? Not a chance, man. I'm taking the Seahawks. Give me the points. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a one, two, three point game, but I don't see the Lions beating anybody by seven points right now. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Dolphins at Bengals. Uh, Bengals are three and a half point favorites against the three and zero darlings of the NFL right now. Dolphins. Yeah, no way. That's interesting to me. The Bengals have not looked good at all, and the Dolphins have looked very good. And I know they're they're on the road there, but I think if the Bengals win this, it's by a field goal. I, I like. Dolphins plus three and a half right now, especially after I didn't take them last week. I feel obligated to uh, believe in Tua and the boys. What about you? Not only do I like it, Dave, I love it. So that should really scare you. I love the Dolphins plus three and a half here. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the Finns. Chiefs at Bucks should be what most people consider the game of the week. Maybe it's the last time you get Mahomes-Brady. So plus two and a half for the Bucks at home. I don't think the Bucks are very good. I I I don't. I said I, this last week. I swear yeah. I said this last week. They're not a good football team. They got a good defense. I, They're not a good football team. I think I said that too. I think I said I wanted the <laughs> Packers be, because yeah, I no, you didn't, yeah, yeah. I I don't think that they're good and not. Not only that, I just think that they're so dinged up right now. I mean. Tom Brady, who's he throwing the ball to? Right yeah, I mean now? Mike Evans was out last week, so I guess we have to take that with a grain of salt. But but still, they just don't look like they're in sync. Tom Brady does not look like he wants to be playing football right now. I don't know no. what it is. Marriage he, is in shambles. <laughs> I, yeah, dude, he looks shook. He looks absolutely shook. Yeah, it, it is very interesting. Like I don't. Once again, I wouldn't want to play the Bucks in December, but like right, right. now in September, I. I'll take the Chiefs all day here um, in, in Tampa Bay. I, I just am not. I'm not a believer, and that O line is it, for the Bucks is a problem. 
Let's remember Tom Brady is 45, and we know he's had a very healthy career, but they're going to get old Tom killed out there, which would be a really sad way to, to end his career. So what about you, man? I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs, man. Like, it's just I, – I just cannot believe in Tom Brady right now for whatever that's worth, and maybe he'll come out and ball out on Sunday, whatever. But but I really do like uh, uh, the Chiefs in this spot, and, and the Buccaneers are, are, like I said, just aren't a very good football team right now. Um so Dave, I'm not going to give you a lock of the week. I'm done with that. We're going to switch. We're going to switch gears. I'm not just going to keep giving the people crap. So um, I'm going to give a parlay this weekend, Dave. There's something I like out there, which is um, let's start with the Cowboys. Cowboys money line against the Commanders at home, Dave. They are uh, minus 165 on the money line, which is a good money deal, I think. And the Commanders, Dave, we know are not a very good football team. And Carson Wentz will gladly give you the ball. And then I'm going to parlay that with the Dolphins. I actually got the Dolphins here plus four. Not three and a half, but four. That's an even better deal, right? And then I got the Ravens against the Bills plus four. Now, I think the Bills can still win this game, but if they only win by three, it's like the Ravens are in a close game every single week. Like they just happen to play a close game every single week. So I like that. That is plus 473. You bet 50, you win 300. So that's that's where my head's at on this one, Dave. So that's what I like. I like the Ravens, Dolphins, plus four with the Cowboys money line for plus 473. All right, I like that. Switching it up a little bit. Uh, if it's broke, it's time to fix it. We got to change the segment a little bit. I like that. Uh, appreciate everybody sticking with us and supporting the podcast. As always, Garage Takes, like, follow, subscribe, leave us a positive review. Free to free to do so, and in all honesty, we just love doing this every week, and we appreciate all the feedback that you guys have been been giving us. And if you're having fun, we're having fun. That's what this is all about. So, Garage Take Season Two, Episode Eleven. Brant, see you next time, dude. Powered by Riverside. 